Welcome to Local 3's podcast, Breaking Ground, where we discuss all things labor, labor history, politics, and organizing as it relates to Operating Engineers Local 3, the largest construction trades local in North America. And I'm happy to have on the show with us today, Dina Morsi. She is the executive director and founding member of the NorCal Construction Industry Compliance, otherwise known as NCIC. And she's going to share with us a little bit today about who she is, what she does for the NCIC in partnership with Local 3, and the construction industry in general. So first of all, welcome, Dina. Thank you, Mandy, for the warm welcome and for having me here this morning. So tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your background, your education, and what your first day on the job was like, because this is a fairly new entity that you started. Yes, I'm happy to do so. Um, so I started with NCIC um, approximately October of 2020. And um, prior to coming on board, I worked for the Department of Industrial Relations, which I'll refer to as the DIR. So I worked there from 2013 to 2020. And under the DIR umbrella, there's several divisions. So I worked for the Division of Labor Standards Enforcement. Um, others refer to it as the Labor Commissioner's Office. Um, under the Division of Labor Standards Enforcement, I worked in the Public Works Unit during that entire time, where I enforced California prevailing wage laws. And I held a total of four positions during my time at the DIR, my last position being a Deputy Labor Commissioner II. Um, as far as my education, I have a Bachelor's of Science in Business Administration with an emphasis in finance, and I graduated Cal State University Bakersfield in 2010. Well, Adina, you're a pretty heavy hitter <laughs> with all of that stuff. Now, one of the one of the words in the NCIC is compliance. And you know, you talk a lot about that. Can you explain what compliance actually means? So we all have obligations to comply with different laws. There are federal laws, state laws, county laws, city laws. Um, just a real life example, I take the freeway every day to get to work and the speed limit is 65 miles per hour. So if I'm going hundred miles per hour then I'm not in compliance with the law, and there may be consequences to my actions. I may get a speeding ticket, or you know, it may be something more serious. So ultimately, when we're all in compliance, we live in a much more safe, um, fair, and civilized society. Tell us what your first day on the job was like, because you basically created this entity from the ground up. When I think back of my first day on the job, my first week, my first month, um, the word that comes to my mind is challenge. There was a lot of variables that contributed to that challenge. Um, for one, it was moving to Northern California. Um, another one was leaving my employment at the DIR, which I spent approximately 80% of my career there. Um, and the last part, as you mentioned, was you know being a part of this new entity where my role was to develop and implement from the ground up. Um, but I think really what's kept me motivated and excited is my passion for this work. So so talk about that, your passion for this work. So um, that's always been a big part of kind of your, your mission. Um, so what, explain that. So, um, I mean, I think, you know, as I reflect back, back in 2013 when I started my employment with the DIR, um, I visited a job site because there were rumor of wage theft going on at that job site. And so I just remember knowing nothing about construction, nothing about the industry, um, and really not having an interest at the time. But during my first job site inspection, I got to witness 
you know, multiple crafts performing work. I want to say it was a new courthouse being developed or being built at the time. And, you know, that was fascinating to me, just seeing the level of skill set, seeing the level of dedication that went on. Um, and then also realizing that this industry, there's a lot of cheating that goes on. There's workers are very vulnerable to cheating and being taken advantage of. And so playing a role in helping to recover wages that workers are entitled to uh, is something that I still carry on. Have you ever um, seen it in real life where the work that you have put into has given someone, you know, money that they were owed? Yes, many times. And, you know, what's that like? Like you probably feel, you know, really good about that. It's very rewarding um, to let a worker know that, you know, because of them being courageous enough to come forward, we're able to collect, you know, several thousand dollars on their behalf, which is life-changing. And just hearing about, you know, maybe that worker's plan of what to do or what, what they're going to do with the... With the money that they were owed. Exactly. And it's your uh, skill set that helps, you know, find out what... Uh, where where people are non-compliant and how you can get that money back to them. So I mean that's pretty special, especially for our union. I know, um, you know, we want to we want to protect our members, we want to protect our work, and so being able to work with the NCIC, you know, has improved our members' lives already. So Dina, what were some of the most egregious cases that you worked on where workers weren't paid what they were owed? So back in my time with the DIR, I did investigate a case um, where it involved kickbacks. Um, there were multiple workers involved, and um, really it took one courageous worker to come forward um, because the rest were afraid of retaliation. Um, and so we were able to prove that the contractor would essentially force the workers to provide them back with or to provide back a portion of their check every week. Um, so they were left with less than half of what they earned. Um, it was also very, um, I guess, uncomfortable, for lack of better terms, living situation where there were about 15 workers crammed in a three-bedroom three house. So they were really taken advantage of, and um, we were able to find that $1.3 million, and this includes penalties, wow. were owed to the workers and the state for these kickbacks. You went to an actual hearing and, and kind of experienced their reaction when they were like, oh my gosh, you know, we, we got this back. This, we got this coming to us. Did you? Yes, I did get to see that. And it sets an example that, you know, all it takes is for one worker to come forward. All it takes for is for one complaint to be filed. Um, and then all this is discovered. As you, going back to how you started this department, um, tell us a little bit about your growing staff because I know that you handpicked them. So we'll start off with our compliance agents. So we have Rob Carrion. He's the senior compliance agent. And Rob has many, many years of experience and knowledge of the construction industry. Um, so Rob covers the 12 North Coastal counties. Uh, next, we have our compliance agent, Matt Hilliard. Matt is in the Bay Area, and he covers eight Bay Area counties. Um, Matt previously worked for a, another um, compliance industry enforcement agency um, called CFAC. Uh, Matt is extremely uh, tech savvy, so that definitely helps our whole team. Next, we have Kristen Pear. Kristen covers 12 um, Central Valley counties. Um, 
and she's located in Fresno. So before coming on board with NCIC, Kristen also worked at CFAC. And um, before then, she worked as a grade setter for one of Local 3's signatories. She comes from the field. She's actually Apprentice of the Year. Yes. Um, next, we have our newest compliance agent, Dave Simmet. Uh, Dave was also working for uh, a Local 3 signatory as a grade setter and a lead operator. Um, so Dave covers the 13 North Central Counties. So those are our four work, uh, hardworking compliance agents. Um, they, um, when you say they cover those counties, that means that's their kind of jurisdiction and they kind of drive around and, and look at the work? Is that what they do? Yeah, so those are the job sites they're monitoring in those counties. Um, complaints filed are based on work performed in those counties. And they're the person uh, who covers that. Okay. Exactly. Um, and you have a, a, a person in research as well. Uh, we have Dr. Larissa Petrucci. She comes from the academic world. Um Larissa earned her PhD in sociology from the University of Oregon, and she's currently working on very impressive work um, relating to the construction industry. And last but certainly not least, we have our administrative assistant, Debbie Terry, and she joins us from the healthcare industry. Um, and Debbie just does a great job keeping all of us organized and just keeping everything running efficiently. So what was your vision then with this department and how has this department changed since then? So, you know, I've enjoyed doing what I do for so many years, and I really wanted to bring that here to help level the playing field um, just from a different angle. So that's, again, that was my vision, still is my vision, um, and we just want to make an impact there, make things more safe, um, safe across the board. You say level the playing field. We, we say that a lot around here. What does that exactly mean? I think the easiest way to describe it um, is to keep things fair. So we shouldn't have contractors working or outbidding other contractors on projects if they're not going to pay the correct wages, if they're going to cheat their workers. Um, that's not a level playing field. That sets a lower standard, and then you end up giving that work at a lower wage when more qualified compliant um, or companies are more qualified to do that work. Absolutely. So the level playing field is just the baseline that's correct. Okay. So how has the department changed uh, since you started it two years ago? Well, first off, we were really focused on compliance. That was our main goal, everything compliance. And that still is one of our primary objectives. Um, but recently in the last, I would say, year or so, we've added more education uh, and more research into our daily operations. And we're really seeing how the three areas work with one another. And when you say education, is that educating contractors on how to be compliant? Educating contractors, uh, awarding agencies, uh, workers, just providing that education because we believe it starts with education and education can help prevent a lot of the good faith mistakes. And you already explained what compliance means. Um, how does tracking compliance help Local 3 and the industry? So the construction industry has its own set of rules and regulations. There are prevailing wage laws, safety laws, environmental laws. Um, on top of that, there are thresholds, uh, special provisions, um, exemptions that contractors need to be aware of and up to date with. It sounds like a lot. It is a lot. And that's just the construction industry on its own. And so tracking this compliance, it helps them do the right thing, but it also weeds out those who aren't. So what are some of the achievements that the NCIC has enjoyed in the past few years? 
Starting off uh, legislatively, the passing of AB 1023 was a big win for NCIC um, and the industry as a whole. And just to give a little bit about a background on that, um, so the DIR requires contractors to submit electronic certified payroll records. Um, now, prior to this bill being passed, there were no penalties for contractors that failed to do so. So you had contractors that were in compliance, and then you had contractors that were not in compliance and not being penalized. And how does having there be penalties for this um, help people be more compliant? Because now you can access payroll and make sure people are paying their workers the right wage. Absolutely. There's a lot more transparency there. Okay. So now they have to do it. And if they don't do it, so what are the penalties if they don't do it? Um, the penalties are up to $5,000 per project now. I would probably do that then, right? Absolutely. Uh, what are some other things, um, successes that, that you've had? So 2022 was a big year of growth and impact for us as well. So we started implementing a more uh, proactive approach into our operations. Um, we started looking at bids and there is uh, a requirement for contractors who are awarded a public works project to be the lowest responsive and responsible bidders. So we recently found two contractors that did not, were either non-responsive and or non-responsible. And we brought those uh, concerns to the awarding agencies. And as a result, the two projects were awarded to um, contractors who were deemed to be responsive and responsible. Um, I think we actually did a story on that in the engineer's news. Can you tell us about what happened with Manson dredging in Larkspur, California? Yeah, so we had analyzed uh, the bid packets uh, and we determined that um, the contractor that came in as the apparent low, there were some concerns. So we brought those concerns to the awarding agency um, and following our bid advisory, the project was then awarded to the second low bidder, which is Manson Construction. Pretty big job um, for Local 3, yes. if I recall. In fact, I think it's still going on right now. So you're basically the compliance police for construction. Now, you don't, you, you, you don't enforce the laws. You just bring it to, atten to the attention of uh, who? Yeah, so that's a great question, Mandy. Um, so we're essentially, we're boots on the ground, so to speak. So we do work hand in hand with the compliance agencies. We work with the DIR, the Contractor State License Board, Employment Development Department, um, OSHA, and any sort of violations that we find either via payroll or when visiting job sites, we bring those violations to the um, state enforcement agencies and they begin the investigation. Um, if someone is found not to be compliant or following the law, they don't always get awarded the work? Or how does that work? Well, it just depends. I mean, there's always a process. There's an investigation that needs to take place. Um, and so one of the things we focus on is providing um, verifiable evidence whenever we submit our complaints. So what are some of the things that can make a contractor non-compliant? So noncompliance comes in all shapes and sizes. We have a scale from good faith mistakes to all the way to egregious with intent to defraud. So I'll give an example of each one. If a contractor misses a predetermined increase, maybe $1.50 per hour for some reason, um, so they forget to pay it to the workers, that may they may argue that that was a good faith mistake. Um, egregious with intent to defraud looks more like kickbacks, which are when a contractor um, cashes the workers' checks on their behalf and um, gives the workers only a portion of the checks. 
Um, and that can be, again, on the more egregious side, that's even criminal in some cases. Well, there are, it sounds like there are so many rules that um, noncompliance is probably fairly common in the construction industry. Uh, but some contractors just don't know the rules versus they actually have a financial gain in not following them. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, there's, um, you know, it's astonishing to see the magnitude of violations that take place in the construction industry. Um, And this is just based on complaints that are filed. So when the state enforcement agency investigates, they're typically um, complaint driven. Um, And as you can imagine, there's just so many different violations that take place. We get really excited about the big ones, right? (laughs) You're out there just trying to find the problems. The bigger, the better. The bigger, the better. Yep. What happens when a company is found to be noncompliant? What are the penalties? It really depends on various factors, such as the extent of the violations, the state enforcement agency, perhaps their history, um, verifiable evidence that we're able to provide along with our complaints. Um, so I'll just give you an example. The DIR public works unit, if there's uh, instances of underpayment of wages, they assess penalties in the amount of up to uh, $200 per worker per each day of violation. It can get pretty expensive. Very. Um, so I know that you, you, know, you have these compliance agents and their job is to go out and kind of monitor the projects. But what happens if, say, a Local 3 member is aware of someone being noncompliant? Um, what should they do if they find a violation? We encourage anyone who finds any violations or hears about them or even suspects them to contact us, and we will further investigate um, and then determine the next steps from there. How does a, a, a member on a, on a project contact the NCIC? So we can be reached by phone, um, by website, uh, by email. The email would be info at norcalcic.org. So, I mean, this is interesting stuff, I think, particularly for you know, local threes staff who cannot in any way, shape, or form manage, you know, their large jurisdiction and try to figure out, nor do they even, are they even aware of some of these laws. So it's a very exciting time to be able to be in partnership with a company like yours. Um, Do you have any specific goals for 2023 moving forward? Just keep developing and expanding. Um, Our whole team is learning and growing as we continue to build. Um, So just working on taking things to the next level in with our education uh, that we provide uh, with our research and analysis and with our compliance work. Ideally, you you want all these contractors to be compliant, but you also want them to know there are penalties if they aren't. So education is the first part, kind of what you were saying. And then, you know, if they, they can't say they didn't know if they were taught. Absolutely. And if anyone um, goes to our website, they'll see we have a list of resources that are available, um, the resources we've obtained from different state enforcement agencies. So they are the law. Um, and anyone can go in and and be preventative. Um, and those laws probably change. Do they change from year to year? They change all the time. Well, again, a great resource for our listeners would be that website that Dina mentioned. It's norcalcic.org. Well, Dina, thank you very much for educating us today on the wonderful work that you're doing. And it's a great resource for the construction industry in general. Did you have any final words you wanted to share or anything else? Absolutely. So uh, 
My team and I, we all attended the last semi-annual in September, and we do plan to attend the next semi-annual. So um, get to know us because we're all looking forward to getting to know you. So that semi-annual is March 19th at the Solano County Fairgrounds for anyone who's interested in coming and and meeting Dina and her team. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to come in today and educate us really on some very complex issues. And we're great to see the resource that you've provided that's available to our members and, and our staff in just making sure that contractors follow the law, pay their workers what they're supposed to, and we look forward to seeing you at the semi-annual. Thank you, Dina. Thank you, Mandy. I appreciate this opportunity.